If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sentimental garbage. Shamelessly commercial. Hello. Eagle-eyed listeners might have noticed that you're getting an extra episode of Sentimental Garbage this week. Well, let me tell you why. Amazon Prime Video have just released a new show. You've probably heard of it. It's called Nine Perfect Strangers. It's um, it's based on the book by Liam Moriarty, uh, the same author who wrote Big Little Lies. But this is more of a psychological thriller, and it's set in a wellness center. It's very, very exciting. It's got a huge cast, including Nicole Kidman, Melissa McCarthy, Regina Hall. But it also features the many talents of our guest today, Zoe Tarakis. Now, Zoe is an actor who's done a load of indie movies. Uh, they've been a star on Wentworth for years, but Nine Perfect Strangers is their first debut on an international stage in a huge production. They're playing Glory, one of Nicole Kidman's shady underlings. And Zoe is just like, I didn't know Zoe before this podcast, but afterwards I'm just so in love. They are so brilliant, they're so fun, just, this hand's very old, just talking to them makes me feel younger and cooler. <laughs> but it's just also just really exciting to meet someone and be like, oh my god, you're going to be huge. You're going to be a huge, huge star, and I'm going to have been that nobody podcaster who spoke to you. Like, And honestly, it couldn't happen to a nicer person. I'm so pleased and proud to have Zoe on the podcast today talking about Mamma Mia, which is just such a fun and slightly, slightly mental chat, really. We, get, we really get into odd nooks and crannies of that film. But stay tuned until the end, where we talk a little bit more about their role in Nine Perfect Strangers, which is available on Amazon Prime Video now. Welcome to Sentimental Garbage, a podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel a little ashamed of. My name is Caroline and I can still recall our last summer. And don't go wasting your emotions because joining me today is actor and super trooper Zoe Tarakis. Hello. Hi Caroline, thank you. Hi Zoe. <laughs> I'm so stoked to be here. I can't get over it. <laughs> oh my God. I. The thing is, when I haven't met a guest before, it generally goes one of two ways. For, first of way is that they don't understand what I'm asking of them. And they'll, they'll like suggest something that already has a huge critical following. Like I had someone suggest The Secret Garden once. I was like, you've misunderstood. And, <laughs> or, or they get it straight away. And you were just like in like, just in like a shot. Mamma Mia. I was like, of course, perfect. Obviously. I mean, it was like I was tossing up between that and the notebook, but I fear I, I don't want to cry this publicly. So I did go with Mamma Mia. I also feel more strongly about it. 
I'm really glad that you chose Mamma Mia over The Notebook because I have literally no personal connection to The Notebook whatsoever. Never seen it, don't care. Uh, but Mamma Mia, so many strong, visceral, emotional feelings. Please tell me your strong emotional feelings first. <laughs> Listen, I think I saw it with my mum in the cinema when I was like, when did it come out? 2008. Cool, I was eight. Right? No. And I saw no. it with my mum and I remember her tears when Meryl Streep does the winner takes it all. Like I remember looking at her and she was like uncontrollably sobbing. And I didn't get it at the time. You know, when you're eight, you're like, why the fuck is my mum crying at Meryl Streep mm -hmm. on a hill? Watching it as an adult. Jesus fuck, that shit is moving. I also think to have like three older women be... Sexy, joyous, celebrated, intelligent, nuanced. Like, I don't really give a fuck about the younger characters, to be honest. And mm. I give a fuck about the men. I do not give a fuck about the men in comparison to those three women. Yes, there's definitely hierarchies of me caring about people in this movie. And at the very top is Meryl Streep and her best friends. The very bottom is Dominic Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's so hot. You know, I saw him one time and I was like, maybe I'm not gay. Like, he's so hot. I still don't give a shit about him in the movie. I know. That's how, yeah, that's how well everybody else is performing. Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. He just, yeah, he looks like the hottest little frog. You know, he's got that little, he's got that little handsome face that's like his eyes almost look like they're on the side of his head. So far apart, but in a really sexy way. <laughs> Yeah, very hot little frog. Yeah, there's like a universe between those two eyes. Yeah. And I'll get lost in it, gladly. Yes, and yet, who cares? <laughs> I had the exact same situation as you, except I was a bit older, in that I um, remember I was at uni and um, I took off the day for some reason and then me and my mum just ended up day drinking. And uh, lovely. And then um, we were just like, you know, what's this movie, Mamma Mia, everyone's talking about. And then just looking up in, in uh, you know, when it was on, I was like, fuck it. It's on in 15 minutes. We can get there. <laughs> fuck it. Also, like anything for Meryl. You know what I mean? I feel like most yeah. mothers over 40 would like drop anything for Meryl Streep. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I feel like every woman, every mother has a weird gay bone for Meryl. Yes. Yes, there is something just so, especially in this film. Like, obviously, Meryl is the greatest actor in the world. <laughs> and Naturally. that's like, by, by every empirical standard that we have for measuring that, <laughs> she has it. Like, box office, awards, like, there's just no, there's very few things in this world that we um, can unequivocally unquestion. And Meryl being the greatest is one of them. That's but, very like, well she's, said. She's just, in this film, she's just a mom. There's something so mum about her in a Isn't way that's it? so, you know, like mum and mom is used as such a deriding term, you know, mom jeans or mom whatever. Like, but there's, there's so many, the essence of what it is to be someone's mom is mm. in there, in those dungarees, in that little glue gun, in that drill. Yeah, with the band-aid. Like there's something so universally heartbreaking about her performance as a mom yeah. in that. Do you know what I mean? I feel like everyone can watch that and feel the heartbreak that it is to have a brilliant mom. Like I remember my mom 
always says this thing about, she calls it the poison chalice of having a good mum, which is that you have the greatest mum for the time she's alive and then you spend the rest of your life paying for having such a good mum with the pain of losing her. And I feel like that's what that movie is, you know? Oh, my God. I know. Out, right? Yeah. That's very big. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, my Jesus, fuck. Jesus. I have to sit with this now. Good Lord. And so is it like something that you and your mom come back to a lot together? Oh, man. Like, if we're in the car and uh, there's a... 70% 70% chance slipping through my fingers will be playing. Yeah. You know, and like it makes us both cry like a bitch every time. It's too much. It's too, like, we're, I've got a scene by scene breakdown of it when we, because I'm going to, I think we should get to it like chronologically because that's yeah. near the end of the movie when like the professionalism of this podcast will, will be established and I can just cry. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but first I'm going to do a little plot summary. A broadly unnecessary plot summary. I've kept it as short as possible because we all know what it's about, but just in case there aren't. um, Sophie is a young woman living on a Greek island with her mother, Donna. After reading her mother's diary, she decides to invite three men who might be her father to her wedding without telling Donna. And then I've just written, hijinks ensue. (laughs) Because that's what happens. Absolutely. And I think even like super fans of this movie, and to be honest, before you brought it to me a few days ago, um... I forgot how much this film meant to me. I sort of buried it in my head. I think because it had become such a cultural joke so quickly that it was just more convenient to bury it. But but now that I've like rewatched it and been like, no, I you really did love this. You really have seen this eight times, two twice with your mom. Um, I think even me, as an appreciator of this movie, will maintain it doesn't really begin until Julie Walters and Christine Baranski show up. Fucking oath. Like, they could start there. It's nice that they don't. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So you have something to wait for, something to look forward to, but they absolutely could start there. It's so strange that we um, begin with Sophie and her two bridesmaids, and then we never see those characters again. <laughs> I know. I, know. Like, I haven't rewatched the movie. I'm going off my mm-hmm. sure knowledge of it. I feel very confident mm. about my knowledge of this film. But mm. for the life of me, I cannot remember what the two best friends look like. Sophie's two best friends look like. Like, they look like Getty Images stock models. They don't look like <laughs> actors. <laughs> they do they look, look like, like Getty Images. <laughs> like people who need to like do a, a, a thing of surprise or of happiness for a still <laughs> image and not for a moving picture. <laughs> like the people who model costumes on the like costume box packet. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. And, um, and... I remember, because I was older when I saw this, I was 18, um, watch, sitting down in my seat and, and them being on screen and me being like, oh no, we've made a mistake. And and like just they're, they're re- it's a lot of like them screaming. It's a lot of like, you know, oh, reading from the diary. And then dot, 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 dot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh no. Um, yeah. But I do think God love Amanda Seyfried. Like, she's so wide-eyed and basically her job in most of the film is explaining plot in an increasingly upset way with bigger and bigger eyes filling with more and more tears. And, yeah. and uh, God love her, she does it. She really does it. Does she ever, man? And, like, listen, I feel very... Something about her singing voice speaks to, like, a very deep 
part of me. I just don't know how somebody's singing voice is so clean and so Mm. clear. Amanda Seyfried's singing voice, it does feel like the closest thing we have on earth to the Little Mermaid's real voice. Do you know what I mean? Well said. It's like an angel. I I feel, weird comparison, Amanda Bynes in Hairspray has a similar thing. It's so clean, it's crystal clear, and it's very pure, her voice, which I know the irony of Amanda Bynes now, but there's a purity in both of their voices that does something to me. Yeah, oh my God. I mean, petition to get you back on for Hairspray, one of my favourite movie musicals ever. Please. Link, your pork is ready. <laughs> the iron, do the ironing. <laughs> ironing, my ironing. <laughs> my iron. <laughs> so good. Um, uh, okay, <laughs> back to the film we're actually speaking about. Um, so... Uh, We both watched, or you sent to me a video essay about this that you said would make me cry, and it did, um, by Lena Norms. Um, And I think we're going to probably reference a lot of the ideas she came up with because they're just very good ideas. But there's this thing that she says about, you know, Walters and Meryl Streep and Christian Baranski's characters, which is all of them are are archetypes of what failed femininity is supposed to look like. So it's like the three-time divorcee, the single mother, the spinster. They're all these things that women are supposed to fear ending up like when they are in middle age. And they're just, they're they're the heart of the film. They're so funny. It's all about like their pleasure and their desires and like they fix problems. And it's just... I find it so pure and beautiful. Not only does it validate them and say, it's okay to be a spinster, it's okay to be this, they're celebrated for it. Like, that's what you love them for, is their their brokenness, you know, per se, their brokenness in the eyes of the world. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it also makes me think that, I think there's this narrative around this movie of people who hate it, and there there are plenty of people who do, um, of, like oh, what were they doing? What were, you know, what were, what was, what was Meryl Streep thinking? Kind of thing. And all these other actors. But then I was just looking at them and I was like, these are three like master craftspeople of what they do. If you think about like, you know, what like Julie Walters, this like help redefine British comedy. Meryl Streep is like one of the great, great dramatic actresses. Christine Baranski is this great musical theatre actress. Like, and like, just, and well, the thing is, they're so, they're such titans of what they do, but because of the way the movie industry is structured, they would never get to work together otherwise. Like, what's a movie where they can be together and be like, in the same, not just together, but like in the same scenes. And in the same world, because they do, you're right, they are kind of female actors or actresses who who represent their own kind of very separate worlds like Meryl Streep mm. would be taken more seriously per se and to have uh, a world where they can inhabit the same space but also not be pitted up against each other he's like yeah. fucking delightful and too fucking rare so so rare I feel like any other movie that would have the three of them in it. They would be like competing wives of some guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also to have a, a I can't remember if the, that um, video essay mentioned this, but like 
to have a film where the main love story is one of female friendship. Mm. Like you don't really give a shit whether Meryl Streep ends up with Pierce Brosnan or whoever. You don't really give a shit about Sophie and her fella. Like the main love story is these three women and their undying friendship. And also then the love story of a mother and a daughter, you know, like, and when the fuck does that happen? Yeah, especially for like, I feel like there are female friendship movies, but they're all for extremely young women, right? And there's there's like, obviously I love those movies um, and, and they're great, but there's something, there's very little out there about like women who have been through their entire lives together and who have watched each other and who don't necessarily see each other every day because that kind of belongs to a younger woman. Like, but they, it's clear they don't see each other all the time. But, like, they've seen each other at every phase of development and they've loved everyone. Yeah, and they pick up where they left off as well. Yeah. And I just, I just find them so funny. Like, I really think the moment where the music starts working is money, money, money. Because it's when the film unhinges itself from reality. Yes, yes. And it's like, and camp. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because up till then, up till then, it feels like a very classic movie musical, like Amanda Seyfried running around being like, honey, honey, how he thrills me. Okay, voice. Okay, voice. (laughs) More, please. I want you to preview every song now. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, don't make me sing. (laughs) They're making me sing. (laughs) How are they making me sing? Don't make me... They're making me dance. (laughs) The reference. There's such a... There's such a huge percentage of listeners who don't know what's (laughs) happening right now, but those who do, I appreciate more. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Christian Weeks, we see you. We see you. We see you. But um, when money, money happens, it's like, oh yeah, okay, Meryl Streep is broken, she wants money. I understand how they retrofitted this ABBA song into this plot. But then suddenly, she's on a boat. She's on a boat with a scarf that's like 60 feet long behind her. (laughs) And Christine Baranski and Julie Walters are on two jet skis that are stationary on the boat and not in the water. (laughs) (laughs) It's so absurd. It's so absurd. Oh man, I forgot about that bit. It makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. And like you obviously have been on movie sets and TV sets and things. Um, so you'll probably look at scenes like that. I, I imagine you do as an actor. You'll look at scenes like that and be like, something went wrong on that day. <laughs> because it's yeah. like, surely they were supposed to be on the jet skis in the water. But like obviously something happened with the handler or something. <laughs> the jet ski broke. Jet ski, the jet skis and broke. Do. And dare I say, it's a better choice. And like you just, you have all the, all the, like, they, I mean, there's literally a Greek chorus in this movie where all the, all the Greek actors, which I, I'm sure Greek people don't feel great about the fact that they have in this quote unquote Greek film, there is, um, there are no Greek speaking roles. Um, Listen, but- I'm Greek and I give it the go ahead. You know what I mean? So on behalf of Greek people, I will confidently say I ship this movie. Oh, I'm so glad. I was really, I was really uh, hoping we we could avoid the sort of problematic corner, but we can just sort of like yeah, sail no, past I'll it. I'll be a great point of reference. I'm sorry to any great people that I'm speaking for. This is, I speak for myself only, <laughs> not for the whole country. 
Yeah, and then like money, 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 and then it's just like Meryl Streep on a casino, and just the way she's lit. It's so mad. It's so camp. She defends her choice to be doing this movie so much, and she's like, "Oh, you know, after nine eleven, I went to see um, Mamma Mia in New York, and it helped like lift my spirits and all this." And I'm like, I get that, but I I have to think that that day on set, she was like, "What am I doing?" It's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. Did you hear that thing? My um, best friend Gemma was telling me that apparently Colin Firth did an interview with Stephen Fry and Stephen Fry says, what's one thing you wish God would say to you when you get to the pearly gates? And apparently Colin Firth's answer is, um, I actually thought you were quite good in Mamma Mia. Oh, I can hope. <laughs> he is quite good in Mamma Mia. He is quite good. And I feel like Colin Firth did not get that much pushback. I feel like the person who got all the pushback for this movie was, for some reason, Pierce Brosnan. I know. I know. I had this fight with my friends the other day. They were like, God, he was awful. And I was like, how very dare you? How very dare... When people say that about my Pierce Brosnan, (laughs) all I think is like, oh... You are a person, and this is mean, you are a person who just imbibes every cultural narrative that's being fed to you without interrogating it at all. Because, first of all, first of all, I think that um, the culture softly bullies Pierce Brosnan for reasons I don't totally understand. Um, I think he's like, he he was Bond at a time when Bond wasn't very cool it was like at that sort of nexus point where it hadn't reached that um daniel craig slickness but it also wasn't as kitsch as the 60s one it was sort of tonally in a strange place and they weren't very good movies he like he was also a mrs doubtfire he's in like you know kids movies kind of family movies and he's also like he's so beautiful it's absurd like he's like a ken doll it's absurd But he's a Kendall in a really rugged way. Like, listen, I don't want to fuck men. Mm -hmm. But if I were to know a man in the biblical sense, like, (laughs) Pierce Brosnan is up there. And people who say they don't like him, I'm like, have you no sex drive? Yeah, I... Do you know what I mean? Like, there's something primally hot about him. It's so, like, it's so primal, yet simultaneously so pretty and gentle. Like, I feel very safe when he's on screen. Yes. Gentle is the word. He's like, he's like, I guess you could say, Caroline, he is the OG soft boy. He, he's the OG soft boy. I really hope no one comes in my mentions with a huge problematic story about Pierce Brosnan, because if you have one, please, I beg of you, do not give it to me. <laughs> I don't want to know. Um, okay, so there's three men in this movie. Um, there's Skarsgård. There, and there's Colin Firth and there's Dominic Cooper who the world forgets um, and I feel like Colin Firth and Skarsgård they have like because they've been more active the last sort of 10-15 years people feel like they don't aren't as ready to make fun of them for some reason but because yeah. Pierce Brosnan's career has been relatively quiet um, I feel like people really went after him and here's what else I'm gonna say I really love his vocal deliveries. I couldn't agree. You took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say, SOS is one of my favourite songs in Mamma Mia. Not for the song, but for his singing. I think there's a real, like, kind of sexy husky thing happening. 
I agree. I remember um, watching an interview back when this was being promoted and um, someone tried to like get Meryl Streep to admit that Pierce Brosnan's voice was bad. They were like softly bullying her into like throwing her How new friend rude. Pierce under the bus. It was very much like when the, cool, when the cool girl is friends with an old loser and they're like, come on, we know you don't like him really. And, and Meryl was like, no. And I remember she said very firmly, she was like, Pierce Brosnan sounds like Tom Waits. And I was like, yes! Sure. I want him to cover Martha, please. Yes! thank you. Also, his chemistry with Meryl Streep, fuck me up. Like, they have popping chemistry. They also duet together like nothing else. Like, the way she looks at him, I just don't believe they haven't banged. I know. I, it begs the question, doesn't it? It begs the question. Like, it just, it just, there's so much, and I know it's Meryl Streep, and I know she's uh, famously quite good at what she does, but like, she, she just, it just, her eyes just fill with this such recognizable love. She looks like someone, like, she looks like those viral videos of a dog when their owner is a soldier and comes back from service. Like, that's what she looks like when she looks at <laughs> Literally. There's also something like really horny about their connection. Like it feels like her body lights up yeah. when they're together as well. You know what I mean? And she gets like, you know, that like beautiful thing that happens when you're in a relationship with somebody where you kind of both turn into kids a bit. Yeah. And like you get really like teenagery or like primary school. They get real primary school around each other. Um, but back to the absolute camp factor. I love I love when, um, you know, Sophie spends the day on the boat with the three lads. and um, Oh, yeah. Our last summer. Yes. Our last summer. Yeah. And uh, which is great. Love the whole bit. And I was watching it with my best mate Ella yesterday. And she was like, what's nice about this bit is that in any other movie, these would be Amanda Seyfried's love interests. <laughs> so true. And, and instead it's just like, who will be my lovely daddy? <laughs> Can we just talk about how um, the moment where they all are being the younger version of themselves and it's, they go to no effort. Like it's None. literally just them in wigs. None at all. No, yeah. I'm like hair and makeup department. Yeah. Where were you? But also thank you. I, was, I wanted to bring this up actually. There's a strange bending of space and time happening in the Mamma Mia cinematic universe um, because, because first of all, it maintains, which I like, it maintains that Meryl Streep is 40. Um, because it says that she had like she got pregnant with Sophie when she was twenty, and Sophie is now twenty, and 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 Meryl was a clean is Sophie meant 60. to be twenty in that. She what is Sophie meant to be twenty? Yeah, why? How old did you think she was? Ah, uh, listen, I think because I watched it when I was really young, she looked like thirty to me. Oh, that makes sense. You know, you know yeah. when you're a kid and everyone just looks ancient because you're a kid. That makes sense. Yeah, and now that I'm twenty one. The maths, it adds up, you know, that she would be 20, but I'm just playing mental catch-up. Are you having your first existential aging crisis of your life right now? Am I present for that? (laughs) Of like, oh no, I'm older than Sophie. You may have nudged something along, Caroline. (laughs) Oh no. And in your profession, there's already so much pressure on staying young and I've already sped it up. Um, Yeah, it's okay. Next time I come on this, I've got full face of Botox. (laughs) Just utterly frozen talking about hairspray. Not emoting. So it bends space and time because first of all, Meryl Streep is supposed to be 40 and as we've said, she's a clean 60. And second of all, in this movie, the 70s were 20 years ago because when they're all young, they're all either hippies or they're punks or whatever. And it's like, 
No, the seventies were longer. Yeah, flower power. Yeah, the, it, it it was the time of the flower power oh, of the flower power. power. <laughs> That's so true. I mean, it's timescape is kind of. It's strange. It's camp. It's camp. It's camp. <laughs> My sister says this to me all the time. You're like, you can't just defend bad things by saying they're camp, and I'm like, can't I? Absolutely can. And. All right, what happens after that? Oh, do you know what we skipped over, but I absolutely love so much? Is Chikatita. Oh, it's one of the best songs in the thing, and it's not in the movie soundtrack. It's it, it, it's one of, like, I think the funniest parts of the movie. Because, like, Christine Baranski and Julie Walters, as they're delivering it, like, Julie Walters, like, knocking on the toilet door as Meryl Streep is crying inside, being like, Chikatita, tell me what's wrong. <laughs> Oh, that was very good. That was very good. With her like... It's so beautiful. With her like her pharmacy glasses on the end of her nose and like her sort of resort wear. I find it's... I find her so funny. It's so beautiful. Yes. Christine Baranski is ahead poking over the toilet and she just goes, I hate to see you like this. It's just... Just these like... Like I know the comedy is really broad which it should be because it's almost like the physical comedy in Mommy almost feels like a silent film actor, like the way it's so big. Um, but the little the little choices, especially by Julie Walters and Kristen Bransky, uh, make it so much more than the sum of its parts, if you know what I mean. They're little enunciations, they're little deliveries. 100%. Yeah, that, that, en- that has the energy of like anticipation in Rocky Horror. You know what I mean? Oh, I like they're it. making bold choices left, right, and center. You haven't seen no. Rocky Horror? I tried to watch it when I okay, was younger. Man. I thought we had something going here. It like is the definition of camp. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked, but it has that energy, like bold musical theater camp energy. Yes, yes, everything's so big, and them just like it's so silly. Like every the, the comedy in this is just so silly, and it and it hurts no one. <laughs> That's no one. You're so right. And like, no, I mean, I'm trying to think about it. Nobody is really the butt end of the joke. Like they're not sending anyone up really, are they? I don't think so. Every, everything is just so slapstick. And like, I, I remember a lot of people talk about the scene uh, with Dominic Cooper and Amanda Seyfried when they're doing... Um, Lay all your love on me. Lay all, yes, exactly. And they're having their passionate thing... And they're like in the, it's very um, from here to eternity rolling around in the sand. And then just all the guys come out of the water. And then the guys just like show up every now and then with their little weird flipper dance on the pier. And it's, it's, like, <laughs> yes. it's very much you either get it or you don't. It's either hilarious to you or it isn't. Like Yeah, you get, I feel like that's a choice though. You know what I mean? I feel like you make the choice to get on board with Mamma Mia or you can make a choice to hate it. I personally don't see the choice in it because what is to hate? But I feel like you do really at that point have to lean in, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I almost think they should have those moments sooner in the film so they can be like, look, everyone, you have to be this tall to ride. Like, you have to be willing to get on board with this level of slapstick, strange fantasy, a nonsensical uh, men in flippers jumping off a pier. Greek people everywhere, but very silent. Absolutely. Very silent. <laughs> Absolutely. But it does make me think that like, and, and, and I think most of the men I know 
uh, most of the straight men I know hate this movie. And it does, and they don't find it funny. They just find it embarrassing. And it's, it's this thing of like, I do think a lot of like that male centric comedy and that stuff that we've been told is funny and that like, you know, lots of people are like, "Mm, maybe it wasn't so funny. Maybe it was just this weird, aggressive endurance test. Like, I feel like lots of men I know see comedy as being a weird endurance test of like who can stand the most sort of like, like, you know, you know, those guys who are obsessed with um, calling everyone a pedo. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com yeah i know the one it's such an energy isn't it yeah and it's also like men are like thrilled with something like the hangover you know what i mean like the hangover movies and this is just like i feel like it's in the same way that men don't see the humor in bridesmaids you know what i mean which is absolutely the funniest movie (laughs) of all time like i feel like there's a there's a yeah you're right it's like an aggressive sense of humor that this lacks because it's camp and gentle and sends nobody up and mocks nobody and that's kind of frowned upon by men like it's not comedy unless somebody's the butt of the joke or you're taking the piss out of somebody you know i also want to shout out to meryl streep's diy acting because that is to to the camp train is here like a her her with the drill and her with her little polyfiller gun is the most it's the least Meryl Streep has ever tried. <laughs> and it's also the most endearing thing I have ever seen. It's so, when she's trying to fill the crack in the ground, like, bless. That bless whole, Meryl, you oh gave up. Oh my God. Up. There's a bit that I love where she's trying to fill the crack in the ground and the nozzle comes off the glue gun. And she's just like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> It doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like Donna's choice. It feels like Meryl, like, get it being over it. <laughs> Fully, I buy it. I buy it. I feel like this, you know how Meryl Streep, like, mm. really disappears into her characters? I don't, I'm, I don't know Meryl personally. I'm not going to pretend to know Meryl personally. I mean, you know Nicole Kidman personally, and that's like... I do know Nicole Kidman personally. It is! It's, it's a step closer, you know what I mean? But I do feel like, maybe I just want to believe this, but I feel like there's a lot of Donna in Meryl and there's a lot of Meryl in Donna. Like, I feel like it wasn't such a big gap to bridge. Yeah, I believe it. I I believe that there is like like a gentle silliness to Meryl. Um, in, In her, and I don't know, I don't know where I'm getting that from. I think it's okay that we really want to believe that. You know what I mean? It's okay if it's not the truth. But I'm happy that that's my lasting impression of Meryl Streep. You know, she will die as Donna to me. When I was a teenager, I used to own this book called The Celebrity Yearbook, where it was like all the most famous people in the world, what their yearbook photo was and what their yearbook quote was. It was a very cool little book. And Meryl Streep was in it. And Meryl Streep's, um, I can't remember what her quote was, but next to the picture, it was like, 
um, president of the French club, president of the cheerleading society. Basically, she was president of like every club and she was valedictorian of her high school. And I think that Meryl's whole vibe as a person is that she was like an overachiever at a young life, at a young stage. And then I think in her middle age kind of mellowed out. And now she's like, I want to have like fun and not take things too seriously and be a little bit like like dirty and 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 just silly you know a little bit balls to the wall yeah 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 I feel you I feel you because she's really there's like a looseness to her you know what I mean like even in her physicality like I feel like she plays fast and loose you know what I mean and that's what makes her kind of hot as well like she's got mad milf energy in Mamma Mia here's something I want to ask you as an actor Every time I see an actor having a good time on screen, because I'm a simple toddler, I want to believe that somebody who's being that free and that expressive and that smiley and that giggly on screen is also having a nice time doing it. Speaking for all Greek people and all actors, can you tell me whether or not that is true? Listen, speaking on behalf of Greece and actors globally... um, it really depends on who you're working with. You know what I mean? Like there are actors that I cannot look at uh, like when I work with them without laughing and like any joy present is absolutely real. There are also actors where I have to pump my laughing bone. Mm. Like I'm losing a lung. Do you know what I mean? Like, but you know, that kind of fake laughter that actually physically hurts your lungs. Mm, That RuPaul does. Yeah, that RuPaul does, that kind of laugh. That, like, you're not even, you're giving up halfway through the laugh. Like, mm. that's also a vibe, you know what I mean? It's very much who's sitting across you, across from you. There's this, like, quietly, quietly radical thing going through Mamma Mia um, that is, is so low down in the mix. But there's basically this bit where, where Donna finds out that the three guys have shown up and to, to basically claim Sophie as their own and, you know, walk her down the aisle. And she's been like, she was said something like, you know, I have been, I've been here all this time for 20 years. Like, and like, I don't want some man showing up and taking all the credit over an ejaculation. And she sounds like she's being really petty when she says it. But when you actually think about it, like weddings sideline motherhood in a really major way. Mm. That is so true, hey. That is so true that, like, one of these guys who has been out of the picture gets to rock up and take all of the credit for her hard work. And that that's actually acknowledged in the film and respected, right? Yeah. Yeah, this whole thing of, like, oh, you know, uh, Sophie wants someone to give her away. She wants to have this big white wedding. She, like, longs for this sort of, like, patriarchal structure. And then, like... The, the, the sort of the the character arc for Sophie isn't finding out who her father is. It's finding out that these patriarchal structures are damaging and don't matter. Which is amazing. You know what I mean? Like, this is why, again, it gets my goat that people dumb this movie down and think it's silly. Because, like, what, 2008 for, like, a really mainstream movie. And also, like, that um, video said, like, it was, like, one of the highest grossing films. Uh, wasn't it? Like a... Yeah, like yeah, made, like yeah. Six, 64 million in its first year. It was crazy. UK alone, yeah. And for something that of that, uh, with that much sp- span, to have like really subtle 
but present feminist messages is pretty massive. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, like it, sh- it shouldn't be as revolutionary as it is, but it is. Like, it, like these things should be commonplace or whatever. And, and like, we're going to quote that video again and I will share it on social media, but there's something that Lena Norm says, which is, um, you know, it's a movie that rejects patriarchal structures, but it still loves men. Mm. Like it cares about all three of those guys. It it cares about the uh, the Swedish guy somewhat less, but uh, <laughs> but it's still it's such an affectionate movie. And like yeah, they, she she wants them all to be her dad. It's not about telling any of them to like you know take a running leap or whatever. It's just, it's about this really like this 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 very like found family trope thing going on of like oh we don't need this nuclear family we can just be this extended thing of people who eat lunch outside you know and also like they are three very gentle men like they're three soft beautiful uh, nuanced men there's kind of nothing I mean besides Bugalugs you know who sails the boat like there's nothing hyper masculine or like traditionally sexy about any of them i want us to talk about if it's not too emotionally trying slipping through my fingers are you there did you did you go offline i just went really quiet (laughs) i just it just it, it makes me cry so much um i just like there are so many movies about brides and the bulk of female stories in rom-coms are about weddings and brides and who gets to get married. But you just I've ne- I've just never seen anything in a movie that's about the like the pain of loving a child and the pain of letting your child go. And it's yeah. so That's it, isn't it? It's the pain of loving a child and also the pain of loving your mum and the pain of farewelling whatever time that it what's that line in the song the one that breaks my heart the most is the um the 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 places I'd planned for us to go some of that we did but most we didn't and why I just don't know I'm like oh fuck like you know that shit you just always think you're gonna do with your mum and you just keep putting it off and putting it off and then suddenly you're like you know I don't know 30 40 and that window's gone like that terrifies me and that that ache like the physical ache I think anyone who has a great mum feels in their body when they listen to that song is so universal and they capture it so perfectly it's so per and the, the line that always gets me the, the the minute the moment I start crying is when you know it's like first of all it's like school bag in hand and I'm like there I'm like "Ah!" but um but the bit where like the tears like tip out of my eyes and onto my face are are when like Meryl is just like and then I have to sit down for a while like she's just so overwhelmed by her own emotion Emotion. and then the bit where I fucking like it's like a proper primal scream it's is when she's like when the the feeling that I'm losing her forever without ever entering her world. Oh, it aches, man! It like burns. That song burns. Also, that power fucking duet they have, like when they both sing at the same time, that harmony they make, the agony in their voices, like that yearning you have for your mum. You know what I mean? Because it's also yeah. a time when 
Sophie just feels like like a little kid. You know what I mean? You know when you like even something big happens in your life and you just want your mum to tuck you in? Yeah. Like I feel like that's what that speaks to. Oh don't you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts so much. Yeah, like the bit where yeah, when she's just her mom is just babying her and they've had this like this is after they've had this fight about where like it's so it's so good because like Sophie says this line which you can tell like the character doesn't mean where she says like oh you know like growing up without a father it's crap and you can tell it's such a good acting choice by Amanda Seyfried because you can tell that it's a ca- thing that the character means in the moment because she's feeling sort of bratty, but it's not something she's really felt her whole life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's like ammunition. Yeah, ex- yeah. It's like on the tip of her tongue to say in a fight, but I, like, we truly know we're we're very comfortable as the audience in that. Like, Sophie's had a lovely life. She's had a lovely yeah. time. <laughs> On a fucking Greek island with Meryl Streep. Thank you very yeah, much. Excuse me. I was like, I was like watching the video of this over and over again last night. And um, I was looking at the comments and they were just absolutely wrecking me. There's like all these YouTube comments about people who had like difficult relations with their mother or or their mother was dead. And, and they were looking, they, used, they watched this to feel close to her or whatever. And then um, there was this one comment with like, you know, 65,000 likes. And it was like, I really hear all these uh, comments about about your moms, but imagine what it was like for Amanda Seyfried sitting in Meryl Streep's lap having her paint her toenails. <laughs> that is so true. What a bonkers day of shooting for Amanda. <laughs> what a day. That's one you don't forget. That's one for the memoirs, Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Just like a really new actress just being like, yeah, I guess I'm going to sit in Meryl Streep's lap and have her... With like toe separators on, it's mad. I guess she'll put my band aid on for me. Oh my god, the band aid scene because the whole scene of like, so she's like lying down with the toothbrush in her mouth and she's like submitting to being cared for by her mom, but you can tell they both really like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh jeez, it's just like I've I've ne- I've never looked at that scene and not immediately called my mom. It's yeah, it's one of those. Hey. It is one of those. Do you, you said that your mom cries at the winner takes it all, but do you cry at the winner takes it all? I do on behalf of her now. Um, I just think my mom's a real sucker for like anything with Greek level stakes. You know what I mean? Mm. With like Greek tragedy level stakes, like anything kind of epic, like in the true sense of the word, like it's going to get my mom's goat. And so I think I have inherited that from her. And there's something about like the, just the sheer enormity of Meryl Streep in that moment. Like I'm talking like camp, drama, emotion, truth, like the fucking lights, the hill, the spinning, the wind, like something about it. I'm like, oh, and my face is wet. You know what I mean? And I don't even, I can't pinpoint it. It's just the size of it, you know? It's moving. Like, it's a genuinely moving thing. It's, yeah, and it's... If you haven't been watching the movie up until that point and you just came in for that scene, it seems quite bonkers. Because, like, she's... Like, the framing is really weird. Like, why is this woman, like, 
throwing a scarf at Pierce Brosnan and like why are they so small in the frame and like it's all the mountains and the sea is around you're like what is this what are the stuff and also like I'm not even that sure when I'm watching it what she's singing about like I think part of it is like you know you can't you can't come here and, and that thing we talked about you can't come here and claim my daughter after years of not being in the picture and after leaving me to get married and blah 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 and like that that's part of it but it's not all of it it's kind of about Pierce, but it's kind of just about something that that character has been storing up for 20 years. That we're not privy to. It's almost like, I would say, the song that fits in the movie the least, but still the song that fits in the movie the most. Like, in terms of plot, I'm like, this bears virtually no relevance to anything in the story. However, it works. Um, Can we also talk about Does Your Mother Know? Oh, yeah, we skipped right past it. Okay, I just, I want to bring it up because that song is my gender and that song is also my sexuality. Please go on. Uh, Listen, in terms of elaborating, I don't, I'm not sure if I can, (laughs) Caroline, just that there is something about the glamour the class that Christine Baranski has. You know what I mean? Mm. Like the status, like I'm like, I want to fuck you but I also want to be you and then that young fella Mm. I want to fuck you but I also want to be you like it's like power play hot they're both like really sexual opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of gender they're both sexualizing the shit out of each other in a way that's so horny I just like I watch that like you know the way a lot of people talk about um Lay all, a lot of people, my friends who also love Mamma Mia, um, talk about Lay All Your Love On Me as like bisexual awakening song. You know oh, what right. I mean? Like bisexuals love that, that scene because they're both so hot. That's how I feel about Does Your Mother Know? Like that's mm. the one when I feel like a bit like I want to walk down the street and feel hot as shit. I'm going to listen to that song. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. No. I, it's an odd choice, and it's uh, maybe one of the more unrelatable things I've said. In no, this I. No, it's so. It's so weird that you say that because I do. I do get it. Um, there's something about her in that scene where it feels like this kind of this femininity that she's grabbed with both hands, you know, and mm, mm. and then him, his character. There's something really femme about him. Right. Like his voice is really soft. Like his eyes are so soft, his hair is more natural, but it feels very femme. Like Yeah. It's like a bit of a lesbian anthem. Gonna go I'm gonna call I'm gonna call you know what I'm gonna call it? It's a lesbian anthem. <laughs> it's a lesbian anthem. I think it is. I think it's like Yeah, I think they both have the energy of like it's got queer energy, that song to begin with. Mm. Don't know why. I mean, does your mother know that you're out? Yeah, I'm... Come on. Come on. Come on. Like, it speaks for itself. And they both have very... Like, they both kind of look like what it looks like when you turn the lights on at the end of, like, a Lezo night at the gay bar. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you could expect to see both those people fucking in the corner. Yes. So beautifully put. Yeah, they're just two lesbians. Of course, it all makes sense now. It all makes sense. And everyone's, everyone's so happy they're finally together. Everyone's just gathering around them being like, yay! Exactly. There's one thing I want to say. It may be controversial, but when we were watching it yesterday, it came up a lot. 
We thought that Amanda Seyfried and Dominic Cooper feel like two people who met in rehab. Do you get it? Yeah, I really do. They're, they never have, really do. they never have chilled out conversations. They're always talking to each other about like what they want from life. <laughs> yeah. It's very. It's so true. It's like, it feels like they're both on the 12 steps. It doesn't it? Like. Yeah, big time. I'm so, I'm so glad. And I hope. And they're also both sober and bored and because <laughs> they can't drink, need to plan their futures together. I'm, I'm so glad you see. And I, and I say this with every respect for people who are in 12 steps. I have lots of people in my life who are in it. Absolutely. But unmistakably, there is an energy when somebody is sort of like halfway through that and like have, has been out of rehab or whatever of like trying really hard to, um you know, fit into sort of like, like functional society, sober society, and almost overcorrecting to the point of wild-eyed mania, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the grace period, like when you're re-entering the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've uh, so, so many people in my life who've like, who I, I love dearly, but like have been on that journey and now, and now they've been through it and they've, they've kind of reached this moderation where they're just kind of able to take life as it comes. But there's always this period where they're like, yeah, I met this great girl and we're going to get married and I'm going to, um, I'm going to work on the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> like a real earnestness. Yeah. A beautiful earnestness, but, um, makes, it doesn't make me convinced about the longevity of those two's relationship. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. But I also couldn't give a fuck about the longevity of their relationship. Yeah. yeah. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, stay yeah. together or not, I, I really don't care. So, okay, here's something that we're going to get to. When we first started setting this, this uh, interview up, um, you said, you know, the second movie is bullshit. And I was like, I've never seen it, even though I love Mamma Mia and I adore Cher, and I haven't seen it. And we both agreed it's because the second movie, it knows too much. It really does. It just, it knows what it is. And like you said, this is what you said in your message to me. Once the movie is in on the joke, the joke ain't funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Because when they did this first movie, they meant it. They meant it so hard and they meant it with such sincerity but once the movie's like, ha ha, we get it now. We know we're a little camp. We know we're fruity. We know we're quirky. Yeah. It's, it doesn't work. Yeah. The, you broke it. They you broke it. You broke it. You broke, <laughs> broke Mamma Mia. Congratulations. I, 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 I really do agree with you because I do think that like, yeah, when you've had this, this thing that was like a, a big deal on the stage and then it was made in this really unusual way with this really strange cast of characters for the movies and then it was even though it was obviously highly funded in big stars it was a real runaway hit and this formula that no one could have seen working and then to repeat the formula for a, like knowing you're gonna have the mainstream already the the sparkle is gone the wink is gone it's just a sausage factory now you know <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah they butchered it let's finish it off with talking about i think my my other favorite song in the movie after slipping through my fingers, which is when all is said and done. Do you feel strongly about this? Cause I feel very strongly about it. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please talk. <laughs> um, so like slipping through my fingers makes me want to call my mom. And when all is said and done, makes me want to call my dad. Like, 
because there's there's something about that sort of like <laughs> that sort of beautiful sit because like obviously the ending is that like Sophie doesn't get married but Pierce and Meryl do <laughs> not even bothering with their character names anymore and then like instead of having this like rushed young people's you know just out of NA uh, <laughs> a wedding they had this sort of like really mature kind of love and it's like this lovely sit down dinner and like he just looks at her and he like he touches her face and it's like and these you know here's to us one more time and all that kind of stuff okay, voice again yeah come come through voice um <laughs> and the way the way and it's and it's because Pierce Brosnan like he his voice has I think has a lot of character and a lot of warmth but it's not technically great um it's like he, he sounds like like my dad when my dad gets up to sing at a wedding or any kind of family event it feels like the way men sing at things yeah and there is something you're right there is something like I mean, there's something daddy about Pierce Brosnan, but there's also something really dad about Pierce Brosnan. Like that kind of, he is, he's like, you know, if you've got like a good gentle dad, you can just see him like getting choked up at a wedding yeah. or like there's a real, yeah, there's a, I, I, I know what you mean. Like I've never thought to long for my dad in that song. Perhaps I will now having heard your your piece but you're so right you're so right it's and and there's just something about about that and the sort of the maturity of the whole thing and this idea of like I don't know I think as I think this time it hit me more because you know uh this has been been obligatory pandemic reference but like it's been a long couple of years and like when I went into this pandemic I was 29 and now I'm 31 and so like I've had a non-insignificant freak out about like getting older and losing youth and to end the film on this like beautiful like song about the maturity of love and the maturity of life and and how not being too old for things I find I find it really beautiful (laughs) yeah and also it gives them so much dignity like that's what I think I really love about the movie is it really, uh, that's the word, right, dignifies all the older characters. And it takes the piss out of them, sure. But, like, it's not, I think so often we're sold that narrative of, like, if it ain't young and hot and steamy and, like, full of um, passion and hormones and, you know, it, it ain't real. And so rarely we're, t- we're sold this story, you know what I mean? Which is something that is, is gentle and and mature like you said and like really kind of compassionate and unhot like uh, uh, as in unheated mm. and unsteamy mm. it's so nice <laughs> zoe it's just so nice it's so nice <laughs> so zoe there's a very special reason that you're on the podcast today which is that you're promoting nine perfect strangers where you play glory um can you tell us a little bit more about it? About Nine Perfect Strangers in general? Yeah, I mean, like Nine Perfect Strangers, I um, I have the I wrote the, I read the book a few years ago. It's about uh, nine nine strangers, I believe, um, who who go to a sort of a wellness center and uh, are kind of taken in by a very charismatic Nicole Kidman sort of cult leader, and then all is not as it seems. Uh, what's what's your and t- tell me a bit more about your role. I mean, listen, my role in it is is ever so small. 
I'm just I'm I'm dosing everybody and doing what Nicole Kidman tells me to do. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. It was so interesting shooting the show because it. I think. Have you seen Big Little Lies? Yeah. Yeah, like Big Little Lies is really sure of what it is. You know what I mean? Like it really knows what kind of genre it is, I suppose, um, and what world, like the, the rules of that world are very clear. Whereas I feel like Why Not Perfect Strangers is different um, is because the rules of the world are a little murkier and the genre that it sits in, it's kind of a little bit of everything. And when we were shooting and I was like, this is either going to be fucking spectacular or a train wreck, and I cannot tell. Um, and watching it back, I think it's been really, really rad to see, like, the – I don't know, because you've got these masters of their craft. Like, they're so talented, the people in that show. Um, and they're actors who can really handle comedy and they're actors who can really handle tragedy. And I think it's such a gift to get to watch, you know, people like – Melissa and Nicole and Bobby and Michael and Regina get to handle tragedy and comedy in the same breath, um, you know, in the same scene. And so I think it's really paid off in that regard. I think it's pretty fucking rad. It's, it's incredible. And it's so inspiring because like when I was, you know, researching you and looking at little interviews that you've done over the years, you did this fabulous interview um, on YouTube a little while ago saying that, you know, you felt like a real political onus um, to come out as queer and to come out as non-binary and how you knew that that would have an effect on the roles you were going to get. And then to just see you swing and swing around and get this huge prime show with some of the biggest talents in the world. Like, I, I just can't imagine how that must factor into your like whole consciousness. Yeah, it was pretty, I feel very like, very fucking lucky you know what I mean like I'm very grateful to because I know that the the experience of most trans actors is not that you know what I mean and I also like acknowledge the privilege I have and I can I'm a lucky trans person because I can pass as female and I can pass as male which means I'm open up to all the roles instead of you know like a very small Just taking everybody's roles yeah. <laughs> yeah um but I feel very yeah, I mean, it was like, it was fucking bullshit. It was ridiculous rocking up to work and seeing those people. I was like, how did this happen? How, who let me in here? I, 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 I'm just so thrilled for you. It like, couldn't happen to a nicer person, honestly. I'm just... Oh, thank you. That's so nice. And I, I, I really hope it's the, the beginning of, of loads of nice things. I have to ask you, because we're big Nicole Kitman fans of the podcast, and we have a Moulin Rouge podcast coming out very soon. Um, just give me one juicy tidbit about Nicole. It can be a really mild one. Like she only drinks sparkling water or something. <laughs> okay. You know how people say about her, I don't know if this has made it to where you are in the world, but like here people often say it look, uh, it really does look like she has a lamp on inside her face. Like she glows. Oh, wow. She's like effervescent. Like it's literally looked like somebody turned the Christmas lights on in her body. I don't know what she puts in her skin, but she literally, it's like there's a sun stuck in her. It's, it's so funny with people who've been famous for a long time. They just have th this otherworldly presence. Like they're from this fairy kingdom. Isn't it really weird? 
Like it's it's destabilizing. Yeah, they're so shiny. It is destabilizing. I feel like a shrub. I feel like a pot plant around them. Like I'm like, you are so why do you sparkle and I have pimples? You know what I mean? Oh. Like it's just bullshit. It's just just very exciting. And um is there anything else that's coming out that we should look for you in? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm Wentworth. Um that's a big show where you guys are. I think you're yeah. People love Wentworth yeah. in the UK. Um yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I, I I think I'm heading over your way <gasps> next year for something I'm not allowed to no. talk about yet. In London? Yeah, I'll catch your face then. Oh, shit, yeah. can we meet up? Yes, please. That would be so nice. That would be delightful. I'm going to rub it in my friends' faces so hard. This has been Sentimental Garbage, and I've been Caroline O'Donoghue. You can follow me on Twitter at Zaraline. That's C-Z-A-R-O-L-I-N-E. Or email me about the podcast at sentimentalpod at gmail.com. This has been a Justice for Dumb Women podcast. Thank you to Harry Harris for the jingle, Gavin Day for the artwork, and Hannah Varrell for the mixing. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com